This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week, we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. The engineering construction industry is at a tipping point. How can we foster long-term growth in uncertain times? How do we navigate technology-driven disruption and meet the challenge of net zero emissions? How do we create a more inclusive, collaborative and sustainable industry for the future? Peter Wilkinson, author of The Steel Ceiling, Achieving Sustainable Growth in Engineering and Construction, joins us today to highlight current issues facing businesses in the engineering and construction sector, and to explore what it will take to navigate towards sustainable construction and sustainable business in the future. Welcome to the program, Peter. Thanks very much, Anthea. Great to be here. Peter, can you share with us a little about your expertise and background? Oh, certainly. Uh, I started as a mechanical engineer in the uh, 1985, if I recall uh, correctly, which is some time ago, as you probably figured out. <laughs> um, over 30 years, I've um, worked in the public and the private sector, uh, spent some time in consulting, um, been involved in projects large and small across uh, sort of multiple sectors. Uh, yeah, what I've really um, you know, discovered, I suppose, over the 30 years is a great opportunity to uh, really work with businesses to improve their capability um, and also to um, influence, I think, the challenging behaviour that we see quite regularly in the construction game, which um, if I'm to characterise it, um, yeah, a a lot of shouting in the industry. So 30 years in the industry, how would you describe the state of the industry right now? Uh, It's in um, an extended boom cycle and uh, if I look back in the last uh, few years uh, you know we've certainly been looking forward to an enormous amount of work across the various sectors be they building the infrastructure and um, you know, services sectors of course with extended booms eventually comes bust so you know I anticipate the industry still looks to uh, what happens next even though all the forecasts are suggesting that works here for the foreseeable future. I think the um, effect of COVID on the industry has been um, quite a wake-up call. Certainly the associated supply chain disruption that's occurred and along with ongoing shortages in workers, that really has um, caused the main players and quite frankly smaller players as well to look back at the way they're doing business. Top end of the industry, we're seeing quite a deal of um, consolidation and major players probably exert um, more control than maybe they have um, over the last 20 or 30 years. And I think that the mid-tier and smaller businesses may not all be aware that uh, this is going on. What they do feel, though, is that uh, they're feeling squeezed with their margins in particular, and there's uh, good reasons uh, why that's occurring. So what risks does that expose for those in the industry? You know, key risk really, um, if I look at it you know, from a margin perspective, um, the smaller the margin, the uh, the less the uh, the buffer in place. Uh, you know, the difference between um, you know, being in business and being out of business. And so, really, what that drives is uh, the importance of you know, number one, being aware of one's you know, position, uh, but then secondly, also um, starting to make some decisions about the business, particularly thinking about uh, sustainability. 
And when I refer to sustainability, I'm really talking about business longevity. If I um, think about what needs to um, to happen to improve you know, margins, if you will, on a business and to improve the way business is done, and certainly companies that are you know, looking about for um, improvements see the opportunity for process improvement and technology improvement. The trick there, though, is um, you know, if we don't quite understand the problems that we're dealing with in the business, it's very difficult in my experience to match you know, the solution to the problem with the right technology or process um, solution. Having said that, you know, understanding how the business works is important, but uh, being able to look at the business, work on it, as I refer to, you know, rather than being mired in the business, um, extremely important because there's a series of decisions that typically come up for business on a regular basis and uh, they need to make the right decision, I suppose, if I'm an owner, how to make that decision count. So to that extent, what are some of the important conversations we do need to be having? Uh, from a business perspective, um, I certainly bring the you know, complexity of business back to um, you know, three simple questions. You know, we're clear about the why for business, which um, you know, I use to you know, refer to a you know, vision you know, for a business. You know, why are we doing what we're doing? Sometimes at four o'clock in the morning, I suspect we ask ourselves that. <laughs> um, the what? You know, if we've got a clear understanding of you know, why we're doing what we're doing, then the what is really the strategy that we use to in- create the business that we're you know, looking for in our vision. And then the, uh, the tactics, uh, the how, if you will, that uh, yeah, really support the, uh, the business strategy. If we're clear about, you know, if we're looking at a particular problem and, and we can understand whether it's a why problem or a what problem or a how problem, and we've got a better chance of solving the right problem with the right approach. Really, day-to-day businesses need to be thinking about their people. I know everybody thinks that the boss spends all of their time thinking about them as individuals. Well, the good news is the boss may not necessarily wake up every morning thinking about you, but they spend a lot of time thinking about the people, you know, the key people in the business and you know, whether they're in the right role, you know, whether they've got the uh, right skills and, and experience, you know, and whether you know the pieces of the jigsaw are fitting together well or whether there's some uh, dysfunction going on. The you know, next consideration really about you know, thinking about how best you know, owners can you know, make sure they maintain stability in their business and uh, but at the same time um, you know, looking to um, you know, the next phase, if you, if you like, of growth you know, when we're really faced with challenging conditions and uh, certainly interest rates rising and so forth. Um, yeah, many owners are concerned about the implications of that and the challenge there is that you know, when interest rates rise, there's a lag before we see the effects. And then you know, if we relate to, to our people who you know, also read the newspapers and consume social medias, uh, you know, they have um, similar concerns in many cases and um, having conversations you know, with people um, around that or you know, recognising you know, dysfunctional behaviour when it shows up, you know, really important to maintain engagement with your business. So people and behaviour conversations are important. What role can technology play in the face of the current challenges for the construction sector? There's been... Um, discussion for some considerable time around um, fundamental disruption in the way that the construction industry works and you know, that encompasses issues such as you know, consolidation, uh, uh, supply chain, optimization and technology will definitely uh, drive that consolidation and improvement 
disruption, if you will, based approach to um, to business. And so that's what is coming in a in the broader sense. So thinking about you know where one sits in that supply chain and um, how um, our business who not necessarily be equipped with the latest technology can still interface effectively you now with that environment. You know, that to me is the major challenge. If I work with five different clients who have different technology expectations of me, then I need to think really carefully about how I best manage my technology solution and how those interfaces or integrations may work or, or not as the case may be. The improvements that we can achieve out of technology, though, if we think about the, you know, looking into the business as opposed to outside at our clients, you know, we can you know, take on board um, technology solutions that um, can you know, definitely improve safety, which is a key consideration for the industry. As time goes on, you can see how these you know, you know, ways of managing people and equipment um, and materials moving and so forth can really drive fundamentally safer workplaces and in some cases you know, change or even remove the role of construction workers in that process. At the end of the day, though, understanding you know, that technology isn't necessarily you know, the answer to problems that you may raise, but if you're clear about um, you know, what people you have and confirm that the right people in place, you've got a good understanding of the processes that you're looking to um, effectively manage in your business you've got a much better opportunity to match those people and process to the right technology in your business. Absolutely. And with so much increased demand for decarbonisation of the built environment and the economic instability, what do you think can be done for mid-tier to assist in the journey for net zero? Yeah, it's a, um, a very interesting question. In, you know, most uh, small and medium business uh, would say to me, well, look, I'm... You know, I'm being asked to provide the service, build a job, provide materials uh, where necessary and so forth. And, you know, fundamentally, I as a business owner and my people will essentially react to the requirements of the larger contractor. And, of course, to a, a significant extent, that's the case. You know, government, as the buyer of major projects, set the tone in relation to the um, extent to which, uh, you know, we can meet our targets around um, net zero. You know, they have the opportunity to um, to set the bar and to uh, control the pace at which we you know, enable change through regulation and incentivisation. So opportunity to both use the carrot and the stick uh, to make that happen. Uh, certainly the top tier contractors that you know, take on board uh, mega projects are you know, well across government's expectations in this regard and respond accordingly. And of course, then they essentially uh, through subcontracts, um, require more or medium businesses to um, provide that input and um, in accordance with their requirements. So your most important part, if you're um, you know, part of the chain, is to um, to stay informed about uh, what's coming. Certainly, um, you know, we see the industry changing you know, from a transport construction-led industry to um, an industry where we see much more you know, enabling infrastructure that's required, such as water, and of course, increasingly electricity to connect up hydro projects and solar projects and so forth you know, to the electrical grid. So services are changing as, as well as the expectations around you know, how those um, services will be provided you know, with recycled materials and so forth. 
Are you looking for a digitalisation and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit VinZero.com to find out more. And with so much disruption to business right now, what do you think a successful business in this industry looks like in the future? It's interesting in so far as, you know, with the extended boom that has gone on, you know, many smaller businesses that haven't been operating, for instance, you know, for more than the last 10 or so years may not necessarily recognise that after boom comes bust. If we look in, you know, back a little bit into history, you know, we are aware that um, when resources are constrained, inflationary um, pressures are high, we're essentially going to see a, um, a slowdown in the broader economy and you know, there's an industry that's highly exposed to economic cycles. It's very difficult um, to see a circumstance where the construction industry won't be affected by that. I suspect that um, the ongoing effects of um, COVID in terms of slowdown in um, construction progress constrained resources and then ongoing supply chain um, restrictions and disruption. It's effective, my view, will absolutely supercharge um, the uh, the next phase that uh, we see. So, you know, it's what I see the um, not-so-distant future to have. Government, I think, is, is certainly aware of, of what's coming and uh, there's been efforts made to um, free up external labour um, you know, via... Um, Immigration, which will certainly assist, and hopefully, uh, you know, supply chains will uh, continue to sort themselves out. Although various estimates suggest that there's uh, still a, a deal of uh, work required to sort that out. I think the more challenging uh, problem that we face is um, you know, essentially investing in industry uh, capability, uh, which I'm sort of thinking about as this you know, different thing to capacity. We can fix capacity constraints uh, reasonably quickly through bringing more people into the country, train people that can provide the services that are needed. To build capability, we really um, need to be focused on um, skills and training. Skills and training, building that into organisations, you know, that that takes a little longer to um, to rectify. I see the federal government recently in their um, skills and training um, uh, initiatives have certainly recognised that uh, challenge and uh, putting some money into encouraging those to skill up people as uh, their organisation and their role changes. So in terms of investing in skills and training, what perhaps is an example of where you see the capability will need to be for the future worker in construction? A typical worker um, in a subcontract role working on a major project, certainly in um, New South Wales, in Victoria and Queensland, yeah, more than likely um, sort of underground um, working on a tunnel project. So if we use that as an example, yeah, a lot of the um, physical work that's uh, carried out there and undertaken in dangerous conditions and so forth, really being, I suppose, morphed through technology into uh, you know, roles where um, autonomous 
creatures, <laughs> robots and the like, uh, you know, essentially being programmed to um, carry out the um, surveillance, uh, surveying, monitoring and so forth activity that we might typically see uh, technical people being involved in. So, um, you know, the shift of you know, skills from, you know, frontline measurement to uh, monitoring the uh, the monitors, if you will, of the carrying out that work. Certainly a significant shift, as I suggested before, improving safety, uh, but then also uh, changing the skill requirements um, of the people involved. How that plays out as time goes on for organisations, and they'd be thinking about the you know, type of worker with the skill sets you know, that they're employing into their business, and then um, you know, thinking about um, what further um, resources may be necessary. And of course, a lot of this conversation that we're having has been captured in the Steel Ceiling, which is a book you've recently released. What was the driver for putting pen to paper? I suppose in broad terms, uh, you know, I was very keen to capture some of the uh, work that I'd done over 30 years and uh, you really give a bit back to the industry that's treated me, in my view, extremely well over my, um, over my career. I um, was very keen to capture work that I've done over the last decade with small and medium business in particular. I apply a particular methodology in working with good businesses that are seeking to become better businesses, ideally outstanding, you know, sustainable businesses and able to ride the boom and bust that uh, we typically see in our industry. I also was very keen to um, make a contribution to the debate that I believe is uh, long overdue in the industry. Um, where we see the effects of boom and bust really reflected in the, if you like, scarcity-based behaviour of um, businesses that really do struggle to, in many cases, invest for the future rather than really deal with what's directly in front of them. So when we talked earlier, you said steel ceiling is broken into two parts, essentially identifying the characteristics of boom and bust cycles and providing strategies to swim within the flags. Tell us more about that. I uh, broke the book up into a couple of pieces and you know, with a bit of a roadmap to um, enable the book to be read in um, uh, little pieces rather than end-to-end. So hopefully uh, that's, uh, that kind of helps a little bit. There's a fair bit of subject matter in it. I do deal with what I have talked about as the industry and its unique characteristics. I've mentioned a couple of times it's a boom and bust industry and it's driven by economic cycles. It's not the only industry like that, but it's certainly characteristic um, of the way it works. I've um, considered some of the economic forces that um, go on and how that's resulted in industry consolidation across the board. Really, you know, we're going to see some change in demand for services and uh, what that you know, is going to mean in terms of business investment going forward and hopefully provides a bit of information to um, you know, business owners that may not necessarily find the time to lift their head from what they're doing and have a look more broadly at, uh, at what's going on. You know, the second piece hopefully speaks directly to business owners who are keen to prove their businesses' chances you know, of becoming better and uh, more sustainable. I've broken the second part of the book up into a why piece which is I referred to earlier about vision, what values means for a business and uh, how we use behaviour as a means by which we can 
create a culture and manage a culture in a business being, of course, the way we do things around here. There's a piece there around the what, really, you know, the essence of strategy for a sustainable business in our industry, which, as you referred to before, it's really about operating within the flags. And then, you know, the how for business. I describe four pillars that we can use as a metaphor to assess the extent to which we have the right elements of investment in the business to enable that first story business, if you will, to be able to build on that foundation and create a multi-story business. So it certainly sounds like it'll assist owners in working on their business instead of in their business. What are the biggest challenges you see ahead for the industry landscape that still need to be solved? Yeah, I briefly mentioned before the uh, what's coming in terms of uh, infrastructure requirements, uh, you know, various numbers you know, referred to in terms of what enabling infrastructure is required to take you know, our solar and wind and hydropower projects that are um, you know, popping up over most of uh, the country and then connecting those to the um, electrical grid. You know, 2030 and the commitments there are not far away. Now, if I was to suggest $150 billion worth of investment there, certainly by industry standards, that's a significant challenge. The next challenge really, as I referred to, um, is the supply chain consolidation that um, has been anticipated maybe for a decade or two. The effects of COVID-19 are really going to supercharge that change. So, you know, the consolidation of the industry and the alignment of of the various contractors around the major participants um, to enable you know, true technological shift. Um, I expect we're going to see certainly uh, those changes within the next decade. And when you think future about the built environment or the built environment industry as a whole, what is it that excites you the most? It really is reflected in why I chose a steel ceiling as the title for my book, which is a, you know, effectively a metaphor for that uh, behavioural um, challenge that as an industry we really need to you know, break through. You know, why do we need to break through that steel ceiling? Well, we really need not people like me who are you know, closer to the end of their career than the beginning. We really need the people that are going to take this industry forward into the future to really see the value of this industry, you know, become passionate about it, you know, that smart and passionate people, you know, like my kids as an example, who, um, you know, I, I would like to think that uh, they'd be very keen to pick up from where I am currently at and um, you know, essentially take us forward to the future. So that's what really uh, gets me going, uh, particularly when I'm challenged around that. Well, Peter, we'd certainly like to congratulate you on providing a valuable and helpful contribution to our built environment, its owners and operators. And we wish you every success with your book, The Steel Ceiling. Thank you for joining us today. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC 
and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.